welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Yes, excuse me if I'm drinking a lot. This morning, I was one of those crazed runners that Ruth referred to. Uh, and Keelan did an awesome job. Luke just took off rudely. Um, and he was singing up here. And then, of course, John Hull. Did, did, is John here? Did he make it? There he is. John's just an animal. John just took off. Off he went. And, uh, I said, and Luke's been training a little bit, trying to train not at all. I said, so Luke, you're going to beat John? He goes, oh no, he'll, he'll just whip me. And off he did. And, off he did. and um, so, uh, and Bethany, I don't know if she made it. Oh, there she is. Well done. Um, so, uh, so we all made it a little, little hot. You know, if I collapse, well, you'll understand why. Um, oh, and Frosty asked if you could open an account in Brown's Bank. Uh, sorry, accounts are closed. Uh, the banks are stressed enough. It's really just family, fortunately. Actually, the Browns Bank did have a, a Bex, you know, Hex Higher Education Contribution Scheme. We have been running a Browns Education Contribution Scheme just with the university students, um, but that also is not really open to new takers. Sorry, um, and uh, we've survived. So um, we had a great time on uh, Friday night. I just want to thank the guys who are involved in helping put on our men's night. We had a lot of fun and games. We had some blokes who wouldn't normally come to a church event, come along and enjoy it. We had a great guest speaker, uh, Pastor Murray Newman. So it's a good event, men who enjoyed it, you know. And so again, thank you. I don't want to start mentioning names because there were quite a few guys involved in all different aspects, but you know who you are. The Lord knows. Now, um, I want to read a scripture to you. And I haven't had a chance to give it to Kath, but maybe she can look it up and it'll eventually pop up there because it's really only one key verse we're going to look at. It's Psalm 34, verse 8. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. You may know the Living Bible was for many years very popular, but only a paraphrase uh, version of the Bible, not a true, accurate translation. But then they, they got all the scholars together and they said, well, we love the, the readability of the Living Bible uh, and we'll get the scholars to really make sure it's accurate so they come up with a new living translation. It's very easy to read translation and, um, and, and uh, a dynamic translation, so there's still some uh, adaptions into the English language, but still reasonably accurate. It's always good to have a couple of different Bible versions, and if you study the Bible at home, which is really good, rather than just reading through it, get a couple of different versions. And, of course, these days you don't even have to have different books around. You can just get the app. And have, you know, three or four different selections and then you can read the ESV or the, you know, King James with the Strong's Connection and look at the original Greek and Hebrew words and it's all very easy to do these days. Now here's Psalm 34 verse 8 and it says, taste and see, everyone say taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. So I want us to think about that today and I want you to consider what that looks like for you because God is good and we sang about that um, and, uh, and He is. I mean, God is good. 
you know, Pastor Phil Pringle used to say that God is good, the devil is bad, and we win. And that's pretty much the gospel, you know, in, in, that's life, you know, uh, that's in three short little statements, that's pretty much the gospel. And, uh, and sometimes we may not forget perhaps that God is good, but we may not take the opportunity to appreciate and glean from and press into his goodness with all that's going on. So I want to talk about that. You know, um, recently, excuse me again. My wife always says I don't drink enough water. I'll make up for that. Unfortunately, everyone's going to be very patient with me. Yeah, well, I, I need to. Now, we were in Vietnam recently and we shared last week about the ministry there and how God's opened up these doors and the pastors were blessed and we thanked those who had supported to pay for them to come to the conference. We went to a restaurant um, there that employs that uh, only blind waiters. Now, in a normal setting, I know what you're thinking, this could be quite problematic. It could be quite messy. God bless you for giving him a job, but come on, you know. Um, however, it's all good. They know exactly what they're doing. They know where everything goes. In fact, they're at no disadvantage whatsoever because... When you eat, the entire meal is served in the dark. And when I mean dark, I mean you cannot see your hand in front of your face kind of dark. They set it up that way. And, um, and only after the meal, you're led back into the welcome area that's lit up normally. And then you're told and shown pictures of what you've been eating. Which is fun because you get to confirm the guesses about what the different flavours and foods were. And um, apart from being a really novel, fun way uh, to dine out, the whole experience is designed to focus your sense of taste uh, because you can't rely on your sense of sight, which is the dominant sense when you've got all your senses uh, operating. And it really works because the, you, it, it's an incredible experience. You, <laughs> you, you notice and you taste the food more than than when you could see it. And it's also kind of scary too because some food's got textures that you're not sure what is this, you know, and, you, and it, it's, a, it's a great experience. You know, scientists tell us that 40 to 50% of the neurons in our brain's cortex are devoted to vision over the usage of uh, the, the neurons focusing on other parts of our other senses. So they say that there's only about 8% accounting for uh, touch, the sense of touch, and hearing about 2%, and the, t and the senses of smell and taste also much lower. So basically more of our neurons in the brain are dedicated to vision than all the other senses combined. So we, you know, we are very uh, reliant on our sense of vision, and, and that's great. But... So when we can avoid the distractions that brought into our mind through what we see, then we get to focus on what we taste. And that really worked. As I said, it's kind of a fun experience, but it's very well done. And it's, you know, they, they're, they're real foodies, so they want you to, you know, it, it, it's not just burgers, you know. It's like they've got all these little sections and it's three courses and all that and you know um, when you see this scripture I think in the same way for us to taste and experience God we really need to cut out some distractions that overwhelm and you know bring stimuli that 
isn't always helpful to us. And, and so this is why Jesus said, you know, in the book of Matthew, um, in uh, chapter 6, he's talking about prayer and he says, when you pray, go in to a room and shut the door. And the word he used to describe that room, if you read the King James Bible, it'll say, go into your closet. Now, maybe you need to really go into a closet to shut out the distractions, but you might think that's a bit weird. Why is he saying people go and pray in the, the broom closet, the linen cupboard, you know, climb up on one of the shelves up near the sheets up there and shut the door. I'm praying, leave me alone. Or, you know, well, in the homes at that time, they had a, an inner room in the house that was used as a storage room, hence the translation in the old version, closet. Um, these days, the translations probably just say in a secret place or a, or a quiet place or a room, um, but it was a room that had no windows in the centre of the house and they used it as a, a, a private chamber or a storage place. So when he used that word in the, the Greek, when they, everyone realised, oh, okay, you want, it, you want us to get to a very secluded place. You want to, you, you, you're talking about shutting out distractions. And, uh, and, then, and so, you know, we, whatever works for us, wherever we can go, where the sights and sounds of our busy world can be minimised, it's going to help us focus on God. And, uh, and then we can taste and then we can see how good He is. And as I said at the beginning, some people, I think we probably know, we, some people don't know how, God, how, how good God is. Many of us probably do know deep in our hearts, but we're not feeding on Him. We're not experiencing that. And that's what I want us to think about. Because, you know, the, notice the wording in this verse. There's an invitation there, isn't it? It's not a commandment. God doesn't say you, you must or, or you, you or, or it's not, it's totally up to you. And just because you believe in God, just because you call yourself a Christian and you've prayed a prayer and Jesus is the, you know, Saviour and Lord of your life, automatically it doesn't mean that you're going to be tasting of God because this is up to you. It does, you know, you can, you can not necessarily find yourself fellowshipping with God experiencing God, tasting God. Uh, so we've all got a choice as to what we reach out and take and taste in life, what we turn to, what we, what, we, what we feed on, you know, for our soul and our spirit. And let's face it, there's a lot of things that can prevent us tasting from God. You know, we're all busy. Um, you know, like just this morning, I'm so proud of these guys who, you know, prioritise the house of God and come to church, even though you could easily just be kicking back and having a massage, enjoying the sunshine up at the entrance. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, doing a fun run. It's great, you know. But we've got to prioritise the Lord. And, um, and so, you know, we can get distracted with stuff. Some people are, are leaning on anything and everything except the Lord for, you know, comfort. Uh, other people are leaning on other people's faith. So they're not developing their own personal walk and relationship with God. Um, or maybe sometimes, to be honest, we're just lazy, just spiritually apathetic. I just sort of couldn't be bothered. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm guessing you probably have some days where you're, like me, really not encountering God the way you could. And... Um, and you're not really tasting how good he is. Because I, I confess, there's, there's days when I get up and I get at it and away I go. And I'm, you know, throughout the day tasting all kinds of things, but 
but not the Lord. I'm, I'm, you know, feeding on other relationships, but not the one with him. Or I'm, I'm nibbling away at work, and and I'm on, and I'm busy, and uh, and I've and I've got my fill of worry or something else that's you know getting me. And then at the end of the day, my spirit's sort of depleted, and I feel like I need to refresh and replenish. And the spirit cries out, "Oh, yeah, well, come on, you've been." should have done this at the beginning of the day we need you need us the body soul spirit team you know the whole thing we come on we need to get before the Lord you've got to come and taste before the Lord and then the flesh rises up and says no 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 that's not what you want to do no I can help you out here what you really want to do is just pig out have a big meal and watch tv and so there's a little battle and and sometimes you know who wins the battle okay well that food does look good and I think I'll have a second helping and there's that show and the sport that I recorded and crashing out and what do you know and then this is true confessions here I'm just guessing that you've had days like this too and you'd be glad to know I don't often have days like that I'm just saying that that's a, a tendency in the flesh and I'd like to think that I normally overcome that and really have a decent encounter with God at least some point throughout the day but if we're honest we're aware of this battle and this tension and there's distractions and then there's the carnal man the sinful nature the flesh as the Bible in the old translation calls it and it can easily just be doing everything but tasting of the Lord you know and this is why you know David says in Psalm 23 God you prepare a table before me but it's up to me as to whether I sit down at it and 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 feed from it because there's other tables you know there's the tables of like I said TV or physical food that's appealing like I told you this restaurant we went to it's great Xanadu I'm I know it's going to be good because I've had Kathy's food in her own home so look uh, do we have a policy? Okay, policies are only there to be broken, isn't that right? I don't know. All right, look, generally we don't plug every single business. But I tell you what, there's another cafe in Wyoming you've got to go to, the Dewars. So, so they're, the, they're the only two cafes I know of representing the church. So there, it's even, okay? And if you've got a business you want promoted, I can't guarantee anything's going to happen because that really would get a little bit weird, wouldn't it? This morning service is brought to you by complete playgrounds, you know. You know. Uh, thank you to our sponsors. Don't forget when you leave, you know. No, we're not. We're not going down there. I think. I think Jesus had something to say about, you know. So, um, but you know, the table of the Lord. Now that's what in Psalm twenty-three talks about, and um, you know, uh, there's plenty of food, physical food options, but they they're not going to satisfy this hunger that is deep in our spirit and even beyond soul food, entertainment and socialising and fun activities and stuff, there's, there's a spiritual hunger that's only satisfied when we're tasting of God, using our spiritual senses because we can hear from God, you can, you can see God in a spiritual sense and, and so in a sense our faith has all these different senses operating uh, for us to experiencing Him, to experience Him. And, uh, and of course, as I said, there's an invitation there. It's almost like an experiment that he, he offers us. He says, well, look, try it. 
you, you taste, taste and see, green eggs and ham, you know. Uh, we all love that kid's story, you know, where the guy's got an aversion to it because it just doesn't sound good and look good and, you know. And then finally, well, Sam, I am. I will have it on a boat and I will eat it here on a moat and, you know, all that stuff. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I just want us to know him. Uh, you know, I feel like um, we are called to, to really... Uh, talk to him, be with him, hear from him, let our spirits feed on him, be close to him, have fellowship with him, enjoy time with him, seek him, follow him, you know, figure out the right way to live. And it all happens in, in relationship with God, in, in, in his presence. I, um, I read a great uh, quote based on this verse, a commentary on this verse by a 17th century Puritan pastor, Richard Aline. He wrote a book called Heaven Opened. Actually, the full title of the book is Heaven Opened, A Brief and Plain Discovery of the Riches of God's Covenant of Grace, which, you know, um, that one's not that extreme. But have you noticed a lot of the old books, if you've ever looked up old, you know, Bible commentaries or old Christian authors or even novels, uh, they just have these really long, long names. Can I just give you a little fun aside here? Because this is like the original... Movie trailer, spoilers, I reckon some of the titles of the novels practically told the whole story. You know movie trailer? I don't like movie trailers because I figure they get all the best of the, best bits of the movie and you think, ah, oh, too much information. Oh, now I figure out what, you know, I don't need to see the film. It's, I've given so much. Throwing it all out there. You've heard of Robinson Crusoe, right? Do you know the original title that Daniel Defoe gave Robinson Crusoe? I don't know if they were trying to sell it or whatever, but this is the title of Robinson Crusoe. The Life and Strange Surprising Adventures of Robinson Crusoe of York, Mariner, who lived eight and twenty years all alone in an uninhabited island on the coast of America, near the mouth of the great river of Okinawa, having been cast on shore by shipwreck, wherein all the men perished but himself, with an account of how he was at last strangely delivered by pirates. That's the title of Robinson... Martin? Literary consultant will confirm afterwards that is the original title uh, of Robinson Crusoe. I'm just giving you that for free. I thought it was hilarious. But anyway, back to the Puritan pastor. He said on this verse, don't you think that's funny? A little? Okay. All right. That's the joke, right? Every, that's, that's as good as it gets today. I got, no, I, got, I got nothing else. I'm running out of material. I ran out of all material. I had some great jokes. I lost them on the run. Somewhere around Longevity, it's just all, oh, you know, but at least I'm, at least I'm remembering the, 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 the Bible content. So our Puritan pastor, he said this, commenting on this verse, he said, Our senses help our understanding. We cannot, by the most rational discourse, perceive what the sweetness of honey is. Only when we taste it shall we perceive it. We cannot, by rational discourse, Perceive what this, you know, theology is helpful, but it's not God. Knowing about God isn't knowing God, right? Doctrine is helpful, trying to understand what the Bible teaches about life and things, but it's not the essence of the Christian experience. And so just reading about God or reading someone who knows God, writing about their experience about God, 
listening to a sermon, listening to a great podcast, going to church, clapping your hands, lifting, singing. So you can go through the motions, you can do it all, you can be around people doing it all, but it's knowing God. It's tasting the honey. And of course, that's as sweet as he had back then. You know, boy, you could extrapolate and talk about all the beautiful things that we've got. These are, he didn't have chocolate, it was too early. And, uh, you know, you can look at it, you can hear someone raving about their sweet honey or their chocolate or whatever, and you go, oh, coffee, mm, smells nice. It's like, yeah, but you get to taste it. And so the Lord is inviting us to taste and see for ourselves. And because there are some things you can only really understand by experience. You know, and that, and as I said, that's the essence of the Christian life. Not just studying about God, but knowing Him personally. Not just hearing about the Holy Spirit but hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, the still small voice and following him on an adventure as he talks to us about where he's got planned for us to go. And it's not just living with a sense of Jesus sort of, you know, on the back burner. Oh, I've given my life to him and he's sort of my companion and I hope he's somewhere around here following me as I'm bundling along on my own. No, no. No, it's really knowing the Lord and talking with him and following him as he leads us, yeah? And, uh, and of course, that requires our decision. We've got to be able to shut out the world and, 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 and taste for ourselves. And, and, of course, we develop an appetite for God's presence. Um, and, you know, when you focus, behavioural scientists and experts will tell us that people are very successful when they focus on something. Uh, you know, they're in sport, you've got talented people, they'll often choose one sport uh, even one position in a team in that sport and then they'll specialise on that and away they go. Or in business, you know, businesses often fail because they diversify too much and you hear them talk about the core business. What's our core business? They've got to focus on that. And in the arts, you know, you'll get some artists focusing on on one medium. They might be incredibly talented. Or musicians, they, again, can play lots of instruments, but they'll focus. I mean, Michael up here, was, who was so touched uh, with the anointing over his communion word, he's one of those annoying people who, you know, we found an old trombone of my father's and he goes, yeah, I play the trombone. It's like, you play the guitar really well. Yeah, yeah, I play the trombone. Would, would you like to, you know, borrow it indefinitely and play the trombone? Yeah, sure. Do you play other instruments? Well, yeah. I mean, okay. So then it becomes, what instrument can't you play? And it's only because, well, I haven't really tried it. You know, it's like he probably, uh, you know, and sport, like John Hull. John Hull yesterday, he caught a Frisbee that, honestly, if this was caught on video, it would be, it would go viral on YouTube. If Luke throws the Frisbee, John just runs like a million miles an hour, dives, catches the Frisbee, and then you think he's just going to face plant. It's the hard sand just before the water. He's like, full stress, dives, and you think it's going to be a big accident. And then somehow he did this, this like a stuntman, just kind of flip and roll, and then he's up on his feet, throws it again. It's like... It was like fluid motion of awesome jealousy, you know. It was just, you know, sporting jealousy. And here am I going, hey, give me the frisbee. Ah! <laughs> you know what I mean? You know how some people are just talented all over. But you've got to focus to really achieve something. So your sport or your art or craft or whatever it might be and you put in countless hours of practice. And so my question today is what are you focusing on? In your life, because what's the most important thing in your life that you love to focus on, that you develop 
skills about, that you make sacrifices for so you can really focus on that more than anything else. Well, I would put it to you that it should be the same thing for every one of us. The second thing can be all kinds of stuff, but the first one, regardless of our different careers or businesses or sporting or artistic or leisure pursuits or all the different activities, I would say that we've got one thing in common, one calling on our lives that supersedes all others and that's to know the Lord, to encounter Him, to follow Him, to have the Holy Spirit living within us, filling us, speaking to us, you know, to have the Lord as our leader and friend and our faithful, forgiving, loving Father and the source of life and energy and uh, our guide, our healer, our provider, our counsellor, our, our everything, yeah? Our teacher, it's all found in him. You know, Heidi Baker, thanks brother, um, she's written a great book and uh, she could be accused of uh, doing the long uh, title thing as well. It's called Birthing the Miraculous, The Power of Personal Encounters with God to Change Your Life and the World. Uh, and it's a wonderful book because um, she shares about her hunger for God, about, she calls it going low. She talks about go low, go low. Just having a humble approach to God, a humility and a hunger that go together. And she says how everything worthwhile in life really flows out of an encounter with God. And uh, she writes this, she says, every morning when I wake up, the first thing I ask is for the Holy Spirit to possess me. I pray it all the time. I do not know how to pray complicated things. I just say, possess me, Holy Spirit. Let me love like Jesus today. Let me be his fragrance. Let me be his life. Let me carry what you have placed within me this day. That's a good, simple, powerful prayer. Every morning, open your heart and your life up like that. She writes on, we need to be familiar with a place of divine intimacy in which we are so consumed by the Holy Spirit that we will nurture and protect the seed that He places in us. We need to fearlessly step out then and activate His promises. It is intimacy that gives us the grace and strength we need to push through suffering, pain and inconvenience. We must realise that developing a life in God's presence above all else is the only way to fulfil our God-given destiny. Keys to our callings are released when we spend time there. We must always run to Him in the secret place to find the true source of life. More is accomplished by spending time in God's presence than by doing anything else. That's a great statement. And many have proven that to be true. And sadly, many never get the opportunity or don't make the time to prove that to be true. But you never waste time when you're praying. You know, you devote a whole morning or an hour or some time to really seek God. You catch up on everything else. Your life's centred and ordered. You've got all these great ideas. The problems is, get solved. Things work out. Conversely, running around trying to do everything on our own and then never turning to God when He's the true source of strength and answers gets us in trouble. She's, let me read a little bit more. She says, I believe that through intimacy with God, we can find a place of yielded love in which all fear disappears. A place in which we become willing to do anything and go anywhere for love's sake. And she's done exactly that. I'll just tell you, you know, a bit about her and her husband. In the early uh, 90s, she and her husband Roland went to um, 
start an orphanage. They felt God's call to go to the poorest country in the world at that time, which was Mozambique, having just come out of a 15-year-long civil war. And their journey was very difficult. Uh, she, it's only been made possible by this intimacy with God that she has and talks about. And, and even then, that's come at a cost. For example, they... Um, their need was so overwhelming, the government not only didn't give them support, the government took away their buildings. Didn't like them, had an issue with them and just took their buildings from them. So they had all these children to care for. They had several hundred kids at this stage and they had no funding, no regular support. And then they were offered by a church in America a million dollars to build a new centre for their children and supply and support them. But it came at a catch. The church in America were concerned about the association that the Bakers had with what was going on at the airport vineyard church in Toronto in Canada. Because in the mid-90s, this was the time of the Toronto blessing. Well, Pastor John Arnott, who was the pastor there, called it the Father's Blessing. People from all over the world went there and many people who were dry and dusty got totally on fire for God. But there were some manifestations, people laughing their heads off and rolling in the aisles, literally, and all this. And this church uh, were concerned about that, critical of that, and they said, we don't want to be associated with you if you're associated with that. And so she said this was a million-dollar conference that they went to because they felt they really needed to go to encounter God and go to this conference. And they did go and gave up the million dollars that they, in the natural, desperately needed. But there she had a powerful encounter with God. She went back with renewed faith, not just for the provision for their ministry, but for miracles. And she started praying for people who were blind and deaf and dumb. She said particularly there are a lot of blind people, all kinds of eye diseases in this country. And, and she said um, not one was healed for a whole year. And that would be enough to just think, make you think, yeah, okay, well, I was just a bit excited after that conference, so I'll just back off, you know. I, all right, you know, we'll still we'll love the kids, you know. But she kept praying and kept seeking God and spending God and kept feeling it. The, no, he's wanting me to keep going for this. And then after one year, they prayed for one person and their sight was miraculously restored. And then this floodgate opened. They had pastors in their movement praying for people who, and they raised them from the dead. And they've seen countless miracles since then just flow on and in fact their their orphanage just exploded and they had to plant others and other churches came and they trained people they now oversee over 10,000 churches around the continent of Africa and in the country of Mozambique it's changed as a nation the life expectancy has increased uh, over the last 15 years they've had the high one of the highest GDP growth rates in the world the regions where the baker's minister has now been declared Christian predominantly, which it wasn't before. Uh, and at one point, Heidi Baker had a vision of oil and she prophesied it over the country. And then not long after, they discovered all this, these oil reserves. And so in 2014, Mozambique saw four, 15 new oil and gas projects begin. And so their ministry is literally changing a nation. And now... Of course, she recognises that God's hands on this and, and, uh, and she realises that not everyone has such a wide-reaching call. But the principle of seeking God is the same. And she writes, this is the last quote I'll read because I'm starting to read the whole book to you, but I recommend you read it. 
she says, when we live in his presence, nations begin to change one person at a time. Whether God sends you to a vast multitude or to just a few people, he has called you to be significant. He has called each one of us to live in his presence and to stop for the one that he puts in front of us each day. And so this is not just about us, oh, wow, I'm close to God, I feel great, He loves me. It's about being a minister, a missionary, an ambassador that brings the presence of God into the world around us, that brings our encounter with God to people who can also then encounter God and and they see something in us and it's the Lord. That's exciting, isn't it? And that's our calling. And... um, you know, it, it all flows uh, from that encounter with God. And, uh, and, you know, the good thing is, Murray talked about this to the men on Friday night. You know, when we're joyful, we're strengthened. But second part of that, you know, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. You know, often we feel like, oh, I get tired. I need a break. I've got to pull back from my commitments. I need some me time. I'm going to have a break. I'm going to have a holiday. You know, often the answer is just to press into God. You know, you may feel stressed, anxious, depressed, tired, upset, hurt by that person. or this. The Spirit just needs healing. You just need to be in the presence of God and then you'll find refreshment and strength and buoyancy and energy comes flooding in because the joy that God brings, you know, when you're happy, you work hard, you run hard, you, you know, you... You, you go hard you, you, and you don't feel bad about it. You don't get worn out by it because, you know, it's the joy of the Lord. And uh, look, I've run out of time to talk about all the, oh boy, the men and women who had encounters with God in the Bible, you know, Moses and Abraham and Jacob and Gideon. I wasn't going to preach about all of them, but uh, Paul the Apostle said, of course, you know, I want to know Christ. I consider everything else rubbish. I just want to know Christ. And uh, and he gave, he gave us a great, life that we can read about to follow as a pattern the thing is when we encounter God there's three things that happen his holiness is evident to us we're aware of how awesome he is and how right it is for us to be worshipers and followers of him how how glorious he is and 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 secondly we're, we're aware of our humility we or we're made more humble or our humility is a result of that encounter which is also a good thing because pride not a good thing and it's good for us to be humble before the lord and then and thirdly there, there's a hunger when we encounter god we've tasted and then we've we're developing a taste you know you develop a taste for things you know kids don't like you know, some foods when they're kids and then you develop a taste and you go, oh, wow, I'm really... Yeah. And that's often the way we've got people thinking, oh, I don't know if I really want to pray that long. It seems a bit boring. Oh, I read a bit of the Bible and I couldn't understand it, you know. Well, you just develop that taste and you'll, you'll find you're hungry for more of the same. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.